This soil brings us riches and blessings. Welcome to another episode of Fertile Soil. Today's episode is going to be on the Amazon, which is located in one of the world's largest countries, Brazil. Brazil itself is the sixth most populated country in the world, and the Amazon takes up about half the country, and then it's got the unique and fascinating Amazon River that runs through it. There's so many different types of animals that live there. And we're going to talk about these animals. We're going to talk about the bird life and the animals that live on the land. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the water life and how all of these animals live together and get some specifics about it. But we're going to try to focus on the people, how they live there and mingle with the animals and how fertile the soil is there, how the whole life is a fertile life and how all this blends together. First, I want to just touch on the animals. I love birds. I grew up watching birds. I hunted a lot. I did a lot of quail hunting, but birds in itself, there's so many different species in this world. Like for instance, in the Amazon itself, it has over 1,300 different species of birds that live there, which they, I would never be able to name all of them, but some that were really unique to me that I wrote down or studied about was, for example, was the macaw, the blue-fronted Amazon, the scarlet macaws, the kingfishers, and the huge king vulture that lives there, and of course, the famous toucan. And of course, you can see there's thousands that I could go on and on and on about. But they're very beautiful and very colorful birds that live there, all different kinds. And these birds have a lot to do with the ecosystem that's there. And as far as the insects that impact the bird life and all the other life, most people really don't know and understand that the insects really are the base level the foundation for the animal life without the insects nothing else will function and in the in the Amazon alone there's been over 8,000 different ones collected and classified which is in them which is amazing in itself that many I had no idea and that's just around the Amazon and in Brazil itself so that is the beginning of are like I said the foundation of this animal life and how the people need the insects and the animals need the insects to survive and again the other type of animals that are in the Amazon are the land animals and just like the birds I could never name every single one of the land animals that are there alone there's over 378 species of reptiles recorded to this date there and also more than 400 species of amphibians 
And here's some examples of those. The giant anteater, which to me is very fascinating to watch itself. I've seen a lot of that. And speaking of seeing a lot of that, where I've watched them is when I was younger, there was a lot of television specials on the Amazon, and I used to watch them. Uh, I remember one show was called The Wild, Wild World of Animals. I loved that. They always had specials on. You know, today kids have the internet they can pull it up at any time but back then you got to remember there wasn't anything like that so we would gather around the television and it was really fascinating to my family and when you grow up in the midwest of missouri and the only thing you ever see you might see a blue jay or a red bird or something like that and you see rabbits and horses well when you start seeing all these different animals you're like i had no idea there was anything like that and you learn to appreciate and always want to go to a place like that. And I that is my dream. That's one of my places or one of, one of my things in my bucket list, you might say. Um, I've always, always wanted to go fishing in Amazon. And I specifically want to fish for the peacock bass. There's some peacock, peacock bass in Florida and around that area. But I've watched when I grew up, there used to be a lot of fishing shows on on Sunday afternoons <clears throat> and that was one of the things that they would focus on after they'd show the bass fishing and crappie fishing and all that they'd have a 15 minute special like on that uh, peacock bass fishing in the Amazon or even tarpon fishing in the uh, the Keys in Florida so I was always fascinated with that and I've already achieved one of my bucket list or two of them actually I tarpon fished in Florida in the Keys. I caught one over 200 pounds and then I king salmon fished in the Kenine River in Alaska. It took me seven and a half hours of fishing in 40 degree weather and freezing to death to catch one 30 pound king salmon and that was amazing. It was worth every minute of it and brought all of that home. We ate it. It was amazing. If you ever get a chance to eat king salmon, take that opportunity so after having success with those two types of fishing on these two big trips that would be my third thing to fill my bucket list would be to go fishing in the Amazon and then of course I have another fishing trip I really want to take I want to go up by Maine and bull shark fish which that's another subject but what I'm leading into here is <clears throat> that there is a huge amount of different animals and it's a really cool place to go to. Again, there's also the green iguana, iguana which is very famous, and everybody knows about the giant anaconda snakes that's made every movie there is. And then there's the glass frog, the poison dart frog. I had a friend that has a terrarium, he actually raises those little poison dart um, frogs. It's pretty interesting to see them. And also, there's the sloth. Everybody, there's been so many jokes and stories and movies made with a sloth in it. But they're really a cool-looking animal. And again, these are just a few examples. I could never begin to name every single one of them without taking hours and hours of time. But each and every one of them, they're very special in their own life. We could take hours on each animal, each species, if we want. And there's way lots of them that are lo only located, there's very many of them that are only located in the Amazon. And uh, which 
that really makes this area very, very unique. But back to this fishing thing, as you can tell, we're gonna talk a little bit here and mention on the water life of the Amazon, which you can tell I'm really fascinated with that and love talking about that. And along there, again, in the Amazon River and some of the uh, rivers that run off of that, there's more than 2,500 different fish they've identified by the scientists. And scientists believe there are many more that have not even been discovered or identified. That's hard to believe in this day and age. But that place is so secluded, and we'll get into that as soon as we move on to the people here. But anyway, with that being secluded like that, and still haven't discovered all the species, that's pretty neat for me to think about. And a few examples of those, of course, is the famous piranha and the electric eel. I always thought the electric eel was really cool. And the stingrays. I remember uh, going to... Disneyland and seeing the stingrays those were really neat to watch swim you could go up to the pool and there we'd have several of them in there and again here we go the bull shark they have it there and it's kind of neat that they have it there I could go I could kill two of my uh, bucket list at once I could bull shark fish there and uh, peacock bass fish while I was there I, I plan on making that trip someday uh, which I would really love to do that but there's so many different animals, I could never again begin to name them all. It's such a fascinating place and a variety of animals to live. But the people is what's really neat and how they have come to be and how they have lived. <clears throat> the people to me um, are just a really, uh, how can I put it, very determined people, very tough, but very family-like. And they stay simple and they don't have a bunch of things giving them worries and stress like we may have here in America, where they just go to get up every morning and they have their routine, they live and they relax. They don't have to worry about what's going on across the country, what's, how's, um, what's the oil prices today. They don't worry about all that stuff. What's, um, again, what's gas? What's the gas cost at the pump? How much is a pound of hamburger? Um, what am I going to do? It's Saturday night. I don't want to just sit here and watch television while they don't even know what a television is, which is really cool, I think. And they just keep their life simple. Now, some of the estimates that put the first human settlements in Amazon, they've been there for a long time. They came somewhere around 30,000 years ago, somewhere between 30 and 40,000 years ago, they moved in there. Now, the Typical local game, if they eat, includes the wildlife found close to the river, such as they love to have fish turtles, and they love and they kill a lot of crocodiles. And of course, they feed on many, many, many more. I can't name them all, but they that's how they live. They hunt every day. They eat what they kill that day. They don't go and put uh, 100 pounds of meat in the freezer and just go pick it up every night and thaw it out. Every day, they go hunt and gather their own food. But them and the climate and the animals, they all work together as one. <clears throat> Until very, very recently though, what's neat is the blowgun arrow tip with poison and spears were common to hunt with to kill all their game. <clears throat> but they've even kind of become primitive with that to them. <clears throat> uh, the weapons, they've been replaced by guns slowly, but only surely when they can be afforded which they don't have that much money so they still have both guns and they have the old-fashioned blow guns which is still pretty cool uh, 
Now in the past, most of the people were hunters and gatherers and groups of, they were very, very nomadic. And they would stay in one place and just live there until the natural resources were exhausted. About four to five years in one area where they would build their camps. And they, like I said, they, and then they would move on to the next spot to live and settle. So, you know, they, they're a nomad and they move around. So there's not a lot of people that's done a lot of time or lived with them. You know, a lot of missionaries have gone there. A lot of people's gone there. But because of the, the colonization from non-original Amazon people, many of the groups were forced into a very, very sedentary lifestyle and they became peasants, which, you know, it's really hurt the way of living for them. They, they're not in their natural realm, and which is not healthy for them and it's not healthy for the Amazon in the long run because they all live and live together in harmony. And it's, again, men have disrupted that harmony and it can disrupt wildlife. And in the long run, you can start, all this stuff will even affect the climate because there's, the Amazon is so huge, which everyone knows, just the Amazon alone can affect our climate. And there's always an ongoing controversy here with the fact that the Amazon is dwindling. So many thousands of acres per day are going away. Now, some of the tribes, some of the tribes that were once very highly territorial. And for example, there were some headhunters, which man, I remember seeing headhunters. I used to watch Tarzan when I was a kid. That was so cool to me. But, and they, and the headhunters, they hunted animals and humans, which ugh, that's kind of scary. And there were raids carried out on neighboring groups to acquire some of their women. That's how they would do it. They'd go steal women and then to, they would protect their territory. So they'd have many wars, just like we had big wars in the world, but they were so isolated, we didn't hear about that. You know, you think about it, one tribe fighting another tribe, to us, that's not a big deal, but to them, that'd be almost like us fighting Germany in World War II. I know that's on a way, way larger scale, but you still have basically ethnic cleansing where they're almost wipe out one tribe because different tribes are like different many countries for them which is so that again is not a good thing now another thing that's interesting about these different tribes is the importance of one man in the group the shaman which is a holy man he holds all the knowledge of every single local plants and the animals he is also believed to communicate with the spiritual world, which to them is very important. So you would never want to disgrace the shaman. And he, um, again, like even here in America, how important our religion is. Many millions of people have died over fighting for freedom for, for our religion in this country. That was originally why we came over from England is to fight for our freedom and our religion because we were being so persecuted with that. And so we can really um, connect with how they feel if we were to mess with their uh, religious man, basically. And then the knowledge that when someone's sick, he knows how to prepare medication. He's a doctor for them too because he prepares it from the plants and the animals and the insects so you can see how that's important to me that just on a smaller scales their lives 
<clears throat> parallel to our lives, just in different ways, different things. And, uh, <clears throat> but again, there's so many different things. Today, things are different though. Most of the tribes live in res reserves where they practice a lifestyle, different lifestyle, but with both traditional and modern elements. You know, there are very few of the tribes live in seclusion anymore from the modern world now. Now, there is a few we hear about and study about a very few that, and they're still uh, very uh, violent if you come in there with um, basically the Caucasian man or the white man or you want to, however you want to call it, the man from the free world, the modernized world. You wouldn't just want to walk in there with two guys. They would not react well, for sure. But still, in the end, to me, most of the communities organize their daily lives differently than our culture. Like I've been trying to say, their food, medicines, and clothing come primarily from the Amazon forced itself. From and only because there is so great, and it's an amazing place of fertile soil.